Thank you for joining me on the Whole Dollar Podcast. Today I am speaking with Amanda Trieger. Amanda, she, her, lives in the Hunter Valley on Unaroa country. Amanda is a sacred birth keeper and she is honoured to be present as life begins and a mother is born. She has worked with thousands of practitioners and women over the past 20 years, nourishing holistic health and she considers herself a lifelong student of the world. Amanda's favourite place in the house is hiding in her clinic rooms making herbal creams and potions. She creates ripples of change supporting positive menstruality culture with her co-founded business Weaving the Red Thread. Amanda works with practitioners and women towards holistic health in a beautiful home clinic in Largs in the Hunter Valley in New South Wales and also online via Zoom. You can see the show notes uh, to find out how to connect with Amanda and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the Whole Dollar Podcast. The Whole Doula Podcast is a conversation space for doulas and birth workers to talk about the diverse paths that led them to birth work, as well as the diverse and unique skills, interests and offerings they bring to their birthkeeping roles. Here I dive into conversations with others who may be wondering how to bring the different aspects and experiences of their own lives into their roles as doulas in business. After all, there is more than one way to doula, and I'd love to help others see the connections between all the different parts of themselves to see themselves as a whole doula. I am your host, Mary Giordano, doula, birth educator, counsellor, and doula business mentor, and this is the Whole Doula Podcast. I hope you enjoy listening. Thank you so much, Amanda, for joining me today on the Whole Doula Podcast. It's really lovely to chat with you. I'd love to hear firstly whereabouts you're based and also how you refer to yourself, if, if you're a doula or a birth worker or, or something else. Yeah, so at the moment I'm physically based in the Hunter Valley in New South Wales, Mm -hmm. which is beautiful, just outside of Newcastle in the hills. Mm -hmm. And I work a lot online as well. So I am a doula and I refer to myself often as a matriescence doula. Mm -hmm. But I'd say I'm a doula of the entire menstrual reality for women because I actually hold young girls and menarche celebrations and stories and sharing alongside that birth preparation and then into the menopause transition as well that we need to have a lot more support through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have done some death doula support work mm-hmm. with termination and loss in the past as well. I use words like birth keeper often. Mm-hmm. You do. Do you identify with the word doula as well or not? I do. I use, well, doula was really interesting for me around that concept of being of service mm-hmm. was the first way that I'd been introduced to that concept of being with woman, mm-hmm. but of service. And I guess I'm not a really traditional doula in the way that I'm in the home or supporting mum in ways that other doulas might. There's certain ways that I support them with nutritional and herbal medicine and lots of physical Reiki and body work support as mm-hmm. well. So I do a lot of holistic doula work as mm-hmm. well. Beautiful. And it sounds like you cover the whole, it's a full spectrum support that you offer through the, the rites of passage from menarche to menopause and everything in between, which is really beautiful. And I'm yeah. wondering, often I find, you know, things become relevant and interesting to us when we live them ourselves. And so I'm wondering if if this has been an evolving journey of yours where you've sort of added things to your services and, and interests as you've sort of transitioned through those phases or in, in those phases yourself or if it's something else that led you to this path you know I'm often fascinated by 
perhaps, you know, the birth workers who aren't mothers yet, purely because it was so different to my experience. It was absolutely not on my radar before I became a mum. So I'm always interested in how people sort of get into this work and whether it was through lived experience or, or some other way. Yeah. Yeah, I had an upbringing in the country that we were constantly surrounded by babies and not so much birth, but babies constantly being around us and raised. I moved to Lismore and went to study naturopathic medicine at Southern Cross Uni and stumbled onto the Lismore Birth Centre in Santo that was out there. And she was teaching active birth and doula work. And I went through my training with Optimum Birth at a really young age. So I was 20 when I started to train as a doula and was not interested in having kids at that point, but really fascinated by women's health and the changes that we go through as we transition and birth our babies and and the energetic and the matriarchal journey was always really astounding to me, even as a young person. And so I remember meeting my partner and we went traveling when we were fairly young, went to Israel and I was pulling out slings and baby carriers and He, to his credit, did not freak out and just went, okay, that's you, that's your work, that's your life path is going to be surrounded by babies. So, And we consciously chose to have our children early because the work that I was doing was infertility support, cycle education, and I was was working in a fertility centre that was probably 95% IVF support as well. So I was really conscious and aware of what our fertility journey needed to look like. And so went through having my own children, um, studied to be a yoga teacher and do pre and postpartum yoga, didn't do as much active birth support when I had my own little tiny humans. And we lived in the country. There wasn't a lot of home birth options. And stepped through into really learning about postpartum nourishment, unfortunately, through my own depletion journey and reclaiming the cyclical wisdoms that I now help put in place for other people. But it has been, you know, puberty and running mother's circles and matriescence engagements has shifted when I had really little babies. That's how I worked with my little people. And they always came everywhere that I was. And because we lived in the country, we didn't have a lot of alternative meetups and support. So I just crafted that with me. And then as my daughter's grown and needed more menstrual education, it's really highlighted for me the lack of understanding that women have about their menstrual cycle. We need to be implementing that before their menstrual cycle begins. And so we teach the mothers that teach the daughters and we start to educate along that path. And so for me, an empowered birth is one of those first steps for women to really work at reclaiming that understanding as well. Mm. One of those first steps, that's interesting, but as you said, the the teaching around the the bleed, for example, should happen even before the bleed starts and surely that's the first step, but it's probably even earlier than that. It's when they're infants and they're observing us and listening to us and, and, you know, absorbing. Gosh, you, you shared a lot there, so that was really interesting. Thank you. Just a little break from our conversation to let you know that I'm currently working on the Savvy Doula, an intensive business program for doulas to help you uplevel your business acumen to ensure that your dream work is not just fulfilling your heart's calling, but also sustainable and financially viable for the long term. The Savvy Doula will be launching early in 2024. To express your interest, send me an email at hello at marygiordano.com.au 
or connect with me on Instagram at marydrodathano.com.au. A couple of things that I'd like to touch on. You mentioned at the start that when you grew up in the country, there were a lot of babies around. Was that in your family? You had a large family with lots of children or where, how, what, I'm just trying to imagine why there were lots of babies around in that particular context or? I think it's more normalised to have children earlier. And I think where we were in a small community, it was more normalised that mums, there were just children involved in all of our lives all of the time. Mm-hmm. So my mum comes from a family of six and they all had pretty big families. So I had lots of cousins and children coming through. The, now we've got, I think from my grandparents, there's 21 grandchildren and I lost count of the great grandbabies. Wow. But it's it's part of our family was that I grew up with a lot of aunts helping out and mums helping out at the childcare centre and this normalisation of mothers being able to be supported Mm -hmm. by their community and empowered in their motherhood rather than left and Mm. ignored in isolation. It really made me very passionate about how I wanted my life to look as well. It's really interesting because you also shared that you experienced depletion yourself. So did you do you feel that despite having had all of this knowledge and experience beforehand, you still didn't receive the level of support and care that you needed in your postpartum or Yeah, look, we were very isolated. My husband and I have an amazing connection and we've made a really solid foundation of support. But my first baby was a complicated birth and it was a trauma-based birth and he didn't sleep pretty much for 18 months. So we lived out in this beautiful space out in the middle of nowhere and it was amazing from a connection with myself and my baby, but incredibly isolating because he would not drive in the car. He didn't sleep for longer than 45 minutes mm-hmm. and that was day or night. So, And we just didn't have family that really understood or had the capacity, I think, to just turn up and be with us. And we didn't have the community of people that had babies because I was young mm-hmm. in comparison to most of my friends that had gone to uni and gone through that process. Mm-hmm. The first thing on their list was not going to have babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a familiar story, unfortunately. <laughs> a lot of what you share was very similar to my own experience as well, the first and even the second time around. Um, and we don't know what we don't know. And so many of us are unsupported and Many of us are working in this field, not having received any level of the care and support that we provide others. And so operating sometimes from long-term and chronic depletion and learning as we go to try and heal that, as you said, you are as well. So important. And I love how your work is involving women and you know girls across the whole lifespan. And I'm wondering how your community receives that work, if they're very receptive to that care and, and that unlearning and relearning, or if there has been if it's been a challenge to sort of get into the community and get people to value and understand the work that you offer? Yeah, it's interesting. And I think that's why I work across the whole timeline because Mm -hmm. when you talk to women, you're really talking to the time of life that they're in and that they're interested in. And this is information that most girls and women do not have as their base level of understanding. And so a lot of the work that I do is advocacy and awareness and jumping onto podcasts and jumping onto speaking stages and starting to share this cyclical wisdom because when we teach the girls and and it makes complete sense when we start to talk about cyclical wisdom and what phases of our cycle 
we need different nutrition and different hormonal reality and different types of exercise and how dysfunctional it really is that we haven't had science to support that. But now the change is taking place. So what I'm finding is that the media is right on that precipice of actually asking these questions of why are we still living out of alignment with our rhythms? Why is it still inappropriate to share that I'm on my menstrual day or I'm halfway through my cycle and I've got lots of energy and these are the things that help me? So to be able to really think your life, your business, your holistic health, your cyclical self-care with your cycle and whether that's the menstrual cycle or with pregnancy and postpartum, I teach women how to sync that with the lunar cycle so that they have a rhythm to anchor themselves with because those energies that influence us, they can either bring up really intense issues and challenges or they can offer us such an amazing opportunity to really look after ourselves. Mm. So it's big to be able to to really understand this work. And, and I do offer a lot of free challenges or mini programs. A lot of the work that I do is online now because I've done so much work in, in communities. And then my husband, who's a little bit of a gypsy, we go, oh, we're going to the next place. And so we mm-hmm. up and we go, which is great. Mm-hmm. I love traveling. But consistency and getting the message out, gosh, things have changed since 2020. It's been really More difficult or more easy to get through to people? More easily getting the message out because people are more likely to pick up a podcast. They're more likely to jump online. They're more likely to share and engage in a group. And what I'm finding is that the mums are less isolated because everybody is doing it rather Mm -hmm. than just women that are at home and seeking out that extra support. So what I have found is that more people are likely to jump on a Zoom call for a naturopathic consult. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of work with vaginal health. So whether that's during pregnancy and the changing vaginal microbiome and fertility, it's essential. But looking at what our babies are born through and supporting that immune system inoculation at the beginning of our journey and then working in postpartum depletion because I really get it. Mm-hmm. I really, I've lived it, I've studied it, I've worked with so many women and practitioners now is who I'm working with. So I train other naturopaths and nutritionists and physios and yoga teachers and doulas about how they can bring this into their work so that it's going more places. Because mm-hmm. just speaking from me, there's lots of people saying similar things, but I, there needs to be all of us mm. speaking this. Mm. The more the more people hear things from the more angles and places, the more it's going to penetrate, isn't it, into their awareness? Yeah. And I think we're in such a state of depletion mm. as a society at the moment. Mm-hmm. So in the last few years since COVID, you've really noticed the change in momentum or change in receptivity or people's willingness to maybe do online consultations where before they wouldn't have. And you've really noticed a change in the past few years. I have. And people being able to reach out. And I guess I come from a country perspective as well. Mm-hmm. The capacity to jump on an online call mm-hmm. has transformed client support for me mm-hmm. because I don't have to turn up in the town and they don't have to take three hours out of their day, an hour to travel, an hour to come to the consult and an hour to go back. Yeah. All of my online dispensary, so I have an, um, an apothecary that I order through, So I can send herbs and nutrients and the right kind of teas and supports to clients that really need them. And they're there within two days. 
because I don't have to pack and organize it. So there's so many gifts to that shift. I do get really lonely in terms of not being in community. And so I build that in other ways. So it's whether or not that's the mother's circles that come in or the I run retreats, which I love. We've got a parent-child retreat coming up with my hubby in the Hunter Valley soon. So that's how I get my feel is that I'm either at birth and I take on some doula clients or I'm at the yoga class and supporting in that way or we're running retreats so that we're still getting in-person community connection. But being able to run challenges online, so five days of an hour a day, we just jump on and talk Slack or Wisdoms, anybody can access that Mm -hmm. really easily. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So, and you're working in collaboration with your partner. Have, has he also been in this area of work for a long time or is it something that he's sort of became interested in as a result of what you're doing and it, or have you developed it together? Also, you mentioned that you move around as well. So, yeah, so is it something that you continue working together on in different places or is this the first time you've worked together and how long have you been in the place that you're currently in? I'm just kind of trying to get a, a picture for what that looks like, that, that nomad lifestyle. Yeah, gosh, it's been better in the last couple of years. We bounced around probably the last big shift that we had was right at COVID time and it was just intense because we had bushfires here. Mm -hmm. Then we went through floods to get to Queensland. Mm -hmm. We'd done a two-year reno and we landed at a school that was pretty traumatic for hubby to work as a deputy principal there. Mm -hmm. So that was three months and then we were back where we are. So we're pretty solidly in the Hunter Valley now, which is great. Mm -hmm. Before that, we used to bounce around a lot because my husband's a teacher and so we'd get contracts Mm -hmm. depending on what he needed. And particularly when my work was able to be set up no matter where we went, it was quite easy to turn up in smaller towns as the only doula Mm -hmm. helps. The only women's Mm -hmm. health naturopath that makes it a bit easier to be known. And because I've got lots of different facets to the business, Mm -hmm. I could either teach yoga or I could do birth work or I could do postpartum and circles. So it gave me the ability to to have lots of community, which Mm -hmm. again, for me, is probably the primary driver. Mm. So hubby and I, hubby's a teacher. He works with wellbeing and he works specifically with disability and supports students to be the happiest, healthiest versions of themselves within the school system. He's also a rites of passage facilitator. So we've gone through, again, learning for what we need for our family of honouring these rites of passage, not only from our daughter's perspective, but also for our sons and other young people as well. So a lot of the work that we've done together in the past We've facilitated some things together. It's an interesting combination because he's really masculine and very, he knows more about birth periods, who, all the other things that naturopaths talk about than any other man that I know. He's very comfortable with talking about vulvas and vaginas and going out to buy period products and normalizing that within our household as well. Mm-hmm. He's just the most comfortable with sports and football and going mountain hiking and things mm-hmm. and working with those transition phases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, you shared a lot there, which was lovely. And so you're primarily sort of based across the Hunter Valley now, which for those who may be unfamiliar, it's a, a reasonably small, small, large, I guess for Australia, it's a moderate-sized area. Um, my family actually lives just not far from there as well in a little town in, called Gloucester. I don't know if you're familiar with Gloucester. 
I do. We camp up near Gloucester. I love mm. it. Don't love the road. But I love to get there. Like the camping. Pockets mm. Road. Yeah, it's intense. Yeah, it's been improved over the over the years. I don't get there very often, so I don't know what it's like at the moment. Okay, so I, I wanted to touch on. I so you said that because you've got a range of different skills or feathers in your hat or, or whatever things to draw on. So in a new community, you can sort of get a feel for what the need is and what the demand is and adjust your offerings accordingly. Obviously, I think it's great for business as well to develop multiple and diverse income streams. You said you spoke to, the, to that in terms of the value of providing you with support or community, you know, connectedness through a variety of different ways. But for those, you know, considering how to sustain a doula business for the long term, I think there's a really important piece there around diversifying your offerings and income streams so you don't have to rely on one thing only. Um, yeah. So. And it's, for me, it was that transition through motherhood myself. I need my business to be flexible enough to support all of the different aspects of what I'm capable and what my focus is at that point in my life as well. Mm-hmm. I use a lot of online support now. So I use a lot of online programs and, and ways to reach out and engage and give skills to women that don't have to be in person but I, I really love being in person. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to ask you just a few questions. So firstly, how many births roughly do you currently attend? At the moment, I'm only taking probably four a year because mm-hmm. I have a lot of other commitments in mm-hmm. place and I don't have a backup doula. My last beautiful home birth midwife who I used to collaborate and work with, um, she shifted away and mm-hmm. so I've just slowed down what I'm doing with that because there's not someone that I'm deeply aligned with that I've connected with since she's left. As a backup, and you feel that that a backup is an essential component? I like working in collaboration. I like working in home birth. I do support women through hospital births, but I really enjoy working in the realm that's most aligned to what my supports can really nourish as well mm-hmm. so yeah at it's the moment the, just for a year yeah that's for active birth that's I do a lot of postpartum mm-hmm. and a lot of preparation mm-hmm. support yeah I love it my goal is to only attend a handful of births a year if that mm. and just be very picky and choosy because I have learned that I don't really enjoy being on call and it's a huge commitment for my family and so that's what I'm working towards as well and it's so great yeah. you know to be in a in, to be at a point in business where there are diverse offerings and other things to to build on and develop yeah and i don't think doulas should work alone i think it's re- we're isolated enough i don't think we should be in a sit i really love collaborative care and most of the things that i offer have got someone else linked in with them somewhere whether it's a chiro or a physio or another doula or a postpartum delivery service or like my goal is to have as many of our people working and getting support as we possibly can so that Mm. it's normalised in the culture. Yeah, and it's it's a very different experience for those of us living in regional areas like I also am in the Macedon Ranges in Victoria. I'm not sure if you're familiar with my area, but it's about an hour out of Melbourne is where my town is. The Macedon Mm. Ranges covers probably from half an hour to maybe an hour and 15. So we're in that little pocket there. And it's kind of, I guess, we, you know, the larger area is central Victoria and we have a huge lack and need of birth workers in our area at the moment. And it's so different to those who are working in the cities where, 
you know, there are plenty of doulas to choose from and, and private midwives. We've, we've, we're sort of running out and there's a lot of people who were working in the area and are no longer. So, yeah, it's a different experience for those of us in these situations with so much need and only so much capacity to offer. And I think the rate of burnout in all of our practitioners and healers is high, currently even higher, because we're coming out of years of intensity of holding and holding and holding, and now we're back in this place of not really acknowledging all of that stress and just get on with the normal world. Yeah, there's a lot that we're shifting through. And I I do think that the more doulas that we have, the more society is going to heal and shift and change. And I feel as though if those doulas were not just, when I started working, I did think a doula was just for birth. But being able to be a doula is also someone who holds space for people in transition. And there's a lot of different aspects of the menstrual timeline that that is necessary for and that those skills can be shifted over and towards. So it is something that I train other people to do now because if you can really deeply know the puberty transition and the supports to put in place, if you have the skills to run mother blessing ceremonies and facilitate, you've got another, I think about them as like a diamond of which part am I focusing on or showing at the moment? Because when I thought about them as hats, I would think I had to take one hat off and then put the next hat on. <laughs> yeah, there's too many hats. Too many hats. There's so many different metaphors you could use, aren't there? But I love that and how you're noticing one of them, which is, I guess, the, the one we hear most commonly. It, it does sort of suggest that you have to remove one. I've never really thought about it. I guess you could just pile them all on. And I did sometimes and I felt like I had all these hats on. For the, to have just to think of the, all the different faces of the diamond that are always present, but depending on which one you're, you're looking at, it's that's more yeah. you know salient. and. Yeah relevant at any given time. Um, so I'm interested to know what your thoughts would be or what your advice, if you like, might be to people considering becoming doulas or perhaps early in their doula journey, aside from what we've already discussed around developing different offerings. But is there anything else in particular that you'd like to share in that to, to new doulas? Value yourself. Hmm. Value the work that you offer and the time that you're away from your family and Make sure that you have an energetic exchange, whether that is money or whether that is service, which I know is how so many young doulas start out. But the resentment that builds up when we don't aren't received for the value that we offer means that we see a lot of doulas leave this industry really quickly. Mm. And that's not how we want it to move forward. Mm. So I offer scholarship positions, but I charge my clients what I know that they can afford because I know they spend it on a pram. It's really interesting. Spend it on a pram, spend it on a car seat, but actually spending it on someone who is there transitioning, supporting, educating, nourishing you, that is of such high value. And it may not be the same value when we start out. I certainly didn't charge what I charge now when I was 20 years ago but not giving away your services without exchanging energetic value for that would probably be my biggest reflection of where I've come from because women that are of service and of heart-led and I would love every woman to have a doula. 
but I can't be everyone's doula. Mm. Of course, yeah. And that's a really tricky one for a lot of doulas and some I've spoken to for this podcast and others I've just spoken to in, in different places online and in person, not sort of knowing how to charge and, and trying to figure that out to start with and looking at perhaps what the the rest of the doulas in the area might be charging, but also we all have such diverse offerings and skills and interests and focuses and experience and background and knowledge. And so it's really difficult to compare, even if it's the same number of visits, it's a different person, it's a different quality and, and a whole different package that they bring. So that, yeah, that, that can be tricky. I'm actually working on a, a business strategy and support program for doulas called the Savvy Doula at the moment that can help with that. And it is, it's so essential to be able to know your own value. Mm. I'm, I'm curious And what know, you're comfortable Yeah. So when you say you know, you charge what you know they can afford, I'd like, just like to unpack mm-hmm. this briefly because I think that would be mm. difficult for some people to navigate. And so when you say you know that they charge such and such on a pram or whatever, how do you know that? And how do you sort of, when you say you know what you charge what they can afford, does that mean that your price changes with every single client and you sort of do a little, or is it that you've got a couple of options and you know that if somebody's just through your visits and getting to know them, observing their space and and asking them maybe directly, did you buy a new pram or a secondhand pram? I'm not sure sort of how you're listening. Well, and I came from I came from what you would consider poverty in terms of how we got started. So I couldn't afford a pram. I couldn't afford a cot. I couldn't afford a nice car. All of my money went into supporting my well-being, nourishing my education, and what I truly valued creating community, being traveling. So clients will value what is of their highest support, what is of their most benefit, whether or not they understand that the work that you offer is of high value to them. That's, that's where the conversations come in to understand what they value and what their realistic budget is. I often ask clients. What's your budget for a doula? What are you looking to spend? Because I do, my costs are a lot higher than other local doulas that are in the area. And if they're just looking for, I'd like someone to be present at the birth and I'd like some information, but really I want someone just there for the birth, I will often refer them on to other doulas because within their price range, within their budget, that's really aligned. Hmm. If I know that they need the naturopathic support, if I know that they really are invested and that they value what I'm offering them, I will discount the service to what they can afford to pay. But that's not common because I do find the people that really highly value this. Mm. They're willing to when pay. We start, yeah. right, when we start to talk about how much should you spend on your wedding day, like really, how much should you spend on your wedding day, on your but dress? Do you talk about that? On the people? catering. Sometimes, yeah. At the, first, so at the first dollar meeting, I have a half an hour face-to-face or Zoom, we get in and we just talk and we just I just get to know you because not every client is going to be mm. my client. And I want them to, and I do know lots of other doulas in the area, so I'll often say, I actually know the perfect person for mm. you. Here, give them, a, give them a call. It's not that I don't want to work with you, but actually mm. you'd be more aligned with this woman. And so I do ask them. I don't expect them to answer me with what they spent on their wedding day. But, I'm, but it's a reflection for them. They're thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, how much did you put into your wedding day and what did that mean to you? We're talking about the birth of your child. We're talking about you as mother, as matriarchs journey. What value does that present to you? Mm. It's the first time most yeah. of them have even thought about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's just it's really interesting to hear the different ways that people navigate those interactions and these conversations. So thank you so much for sharing mm. that. I can definitely get a bit of picture for it now. Um, mm. 
So Amanda, just before we finish up, I'd love to know if there's anything in particular that you'd like to share with the listeners about your online offerings or in person for those that might be in your area, as well as um, actually you can send me your website and other handles that I'll put in the show notes. It's probably easiest. So if there's anything you'd like to share about what you're currently working on or any final thoughts for our listeners. So the easiest way to get to know what I do and how I offer the work that I offer is by jumping onto one of the Cycle Basics challenges. It's five days, it's free, it's online. Mm-hmm. And what I go through is teaching you about the different phases of the cycle mm-hmm. and how you can inter- engage with that from your own well-being or also from a client perspective. So it's open to any health professionals or healers. The retreats are another really good way if you want to learn this information, if you want to deep dive into women's wisdoms and spend the weekend in a spa outside and climb a mountain and eat chef quality foods and be just mm-hmm. loved and nurtured. But the nourish retreats are really beautiful. And my next one's in October. So if you are interested in in reaching out, make sure you follow the links below. I'll I'll pop them up in the um in the group. Great. Thank you so much, Amanda. Um, thank you so much for talking with me today. It's been really interesting to hear your journey and your diverse and multifaceted offerings or approach to your work. So yeah, thank you for joining me on the Whole Dollar podcast. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I think it's fantastic that you're providing it. Mm, yeah, it's it's. I'm really excited to see it come together. And it's very interesting, as I said, the different people that I'm speaking to, the very different stories and different experiences. Towards the start of the conversation, you mentioned I think someone that you trained with, you mentioned a couple of, I tried to write that down, but I couldn't Santo. quite do it. Um, Santo was at the Natural Birth Centre in Lismore. She passed away from throat cancer probably. Is there still? Yeah, a gosh. Um, I don't know if it's still there. It was on 10 acres of like organic farmland out the back of, um, I can't even remember the name of the place it was at the back of, but the postpartum who's really cool, Who, if you're interested in getting a speaker on, would be Oscar Serilac. He knew Santo. So when I was like, hey, I trained with Santo, he was like, oh, cool, I know who you're talking about. So he would know about the birth centre and whether or not it's still up and running and functioning. Mm-hmm. But- so Santo is the person who's running the natural birth centre, okay. And you mentioned yes. the Nourish Retreats and Cycle Basics. Yep. So The just- Cycle Basics is a free challenge. Uh-huh. Um, I run a 12-week program, which is Nourish Your Cyclical Business, where I teach people how to put this into place. Mm-hmm. I also work as a business mentor for anyone within business that wants to integrate cyclical work within to their business structure. Mm-hmm. So that is more like a cyclical CEO mentorship. Mm-hmm. To So I've worked with um, the Seed Cycle, who Mel, who runs the Seed Cycle, who's amazing and just wants to integrate more work into more cyclical realities into her business as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's lots, lots happening. There's a 12-month program launching next year, mm-hmm. which is all of the naturopathic woman crafting. So I've cha- trained with um, Jane Hardwick Collings and done the shamanic woman crafting processes, and this is kind of the integration menstruality woman crafting and naturopathics all together mm, intersection mm, amazing i hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with amanda today and if you'd like to find out more about the offerings and, and things that she talked about you can read about them in the show notes i really really enjoyed this conversation and listening to the multiple aspects of interest and skill and experience that amanda brings to her work from over the past 20 years and the way that she integrates her various offerings into her work and the community and how she's evolved over time. 
So I hope you enjoy listening as well. Thank you so much. And I will look forward to sharing another episode with you soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Hold Willa podcast with Mary Giordano. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation today. If so, please hit subscribe and consider leaving a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'll be back with another episode in two weeks. Have a beautiful day. Thank you.